Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. This is the third 2022 installment of the Disease Discussion Podcast. And for the first time in series history, we have two guests. We're here with Brian Johnson. Brian is the superintendent and general manager at Sand Hill Farm, a fascinating course northwest of Houston, Texas. And we're also here with Scott Dunham. Scott is the senior sales specialist for BSF covering East and South Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Brian's going to discuss how he and his team produce awesome conditions despite a challenging and erratic growing environment. And Scott's going to relay, and Scott is going to relay some insight from his experiences covering the region where Brian and hundreds of other superintendents work. Before we get going with Scott and Brian, a word from our, our sponsor. When failure is not an option, trust Lexicon Intrinsic Brand Fungicide, the cornerstone of your Greens Foundation program. This industry-leading solution offers long-lasting, broad-spectrum control of the toughest turf grass diseases on greens. Plus, it provides advanced plant health benefits only found in intrinsic brand fungicides such as increased photosynthesis, stronger roots, and improved turf vitality, delivering best-in-class playing conditions for your course. Sleep better at night with Lexicon Intrinsic. Ask your BSF sales rep about Lexicon Intrinsic brand fungicide or visit betterturf.bsf.us to learn more. Now on to our conversation with Brian and Scott. Well, Brian and Scott, thanks for joining the Disease Discussion podcast. I'm fairly certain that this is the first disease discussion that we've had two guests on, so this is going to be exciting. First thing here, Brian, tell our listeners about Sand Hill Farm and what makes the property you and your team maintain and manage unique. Yeah, again, thanks for having having me on. Uh, I'm the general manager and the golf course superintendent at at Sand Hill Farm uh, Golf Course in Waller, Texas. And uh, it's a nine-hole championship course designed by Peter Jacobson and Jim Hardy in uh, 2009. It's a unique ability because um, we use it for our employees. Our employees can come play golf here, and then our um, our employees invite out their customers. So we do a lot of customer golf outings. It's nine holes, 3,700 yards from the, from the back tee, so it's championship uh, level. 60 acres of turf with 35 acres of fairways on nine holes, so it's big and wide, mostly cut at fairway height. We have mini verde green and uh, 419 out in the fairways, or yeah, in the fairways. And then we also have 10 acres of waste bunkers that kind of play out through pretty much through every hole. There's 10 acres of landscaping, roses and azaleas that, that pretty much play on every, every single hole. So very unique place. I've been out here since we rebuilt it in 2008. Yeah, there can't be many nine-hole golf courses that tip out at 3,700 yards. Explain your route to Sandhill Farm, and when did you learn about the property, and what was your reaction when you, you saw it for the first time? I've been here since 2008. I, I worked for I worked for Peter Jacobson and Jim Hardy. This was the last course that I helped design. So when I first came on the property, the course was shorter. They gave us another 30 acres to expand the golf course onto so we moved the sixth and seventh hole onto onto that new land. We're able to spread out the the other holes, make the course longer, to make the course safer. We have beautiful live oaks that they planted in the in, in the 60s out here that are big and mature now that the course plays through. And and then with the combination of uh, you know we we mow everything down pretty much to fairway height. So I don't I don't see a lot of properties like that um, around Houston or quite frankly, around the country. So um, we, we, we like that. It gives it more of a resort style, um, big and wide and open, and uh, gives gives our 
our players uh, just so that they're able to have fun. Again, it's kind of a resort-style golf course. Scott, it's also great to have you on the podcast with Brian. Describe your role with BASF. Describe the area you cover and describe the the golf courses, superintendents, and teams you get to work with on a daily basis. You bet. Thanks, Guy. So I'm the sales rep covering South Texas, uh, Louisiana, and Mississippi. So, you know, basically the western half of the Gulf Coast. Working with Brian has been just an honor, as well as the other fellows along the Gulf Coast. In general, everybody's got their own soil types they're dealing with, their own water issues they're dealing with, their own turf types. So there's not only different nuances, but different personalities, if you will, not only with the superintendents, but with the golf courses themselves. And it's just a great honor working with these guys and trying to provide the best product available for the golfers uh, here in the Gulf Coast region of the U.S. When and how did you two meet and explain the collaboration between both of you? Yeah, Scott, we probably met, oh, probably eight or ten years ago, I would say. We've been working together for that long out here. BASF provides us both uh, products, our beds, which we have ten acres of, a lot of azaleas and roses, a lot of uh, pre-emerge products that we use from from Scott's company to to help us manage our beds. And then we also... um, work with, with them on, on the fungicide uh, portion of, uh, of their company to, uh, to when we spray our greens for, uh, with the fungicide. So those are our, our, main, our main things that we use with, from BASF. Uh, also, of course, some of the herbicide products, too, to, to manage the course. That's what I recall. Chris Webster, the Helena rep, got us together. Early on, there were some weed issues in some of the beds, which are quite massive, really, for golf course, and just working with freehand and figuring out ways to manage those weeds, and over the course of the last several years, just helping Brian out whenever he had a question about whether it was timing on a product or a rotation of a fungicide or things of that nature. So, yeah, um, just very typical uh, relationship between a chemical rep, and a superintendent. And we both hail from Wisconsin, which is quite interesting in South Texas. No way. My my, uh, my sister and her family live in Wisconsin. What part of Wisconsin are you guys from, and what was it like adjusting to Texas? I couldn't wait to get out of Wisconsin. I mean, I love my family. They're all still there, but boy, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get to Texas. I, I I do not like the winters. I don't like snow. I don't like scraping your windows every morning. I, I've always dreamed of living in the South where I could golf every day. My car was packed when I was 18. I, I just couldn't, couldn't wait to get to an environment where uh, I didn't have to deal with the cold weather. I just Even in October, I wear a blanket down here. So I, I just couldn't wait to get to warm weather. Uh, I don't, 9,500 degrees, that doesn't bother me at all. Uh, yeah, it can be a little stressful taking care of grass, but but uh, I couldn't wait to be in the warm weather. So my my family, my mom and dad live in the in the, the, the Lacrosse area uh, with my brother. He also lives there, and then my my sister lives in the in the Milwaukee area. So I get back a few times a year. And Scott, how about you? Describe your route, Gulf Coast. 
I actually grew up in Minneapolis, but went to school at Wisconsin. So uh, Madison is where I consider my Wisconsin home. My folks moved to Texas back in the 70s, so it, it became home. And uh, so about half of my life's been in Minneapolis, Wisconsin, and about half of it's been in Texas with some stints in other parts of the world uh, through my career. But uh, I moved back to Texas in 2000 after uh, 10 years in Philadelphia. So been around a little bit, but Wisconsin, that's a common thread for both uh, Brian and myself. Brian, some of our listeners probably don't fully understand what a summer is like in Texas. It sounds like you're used to them now, but describe what July and August are like in the heat and the humidity and some of the conditions you have to deal with working outside. Yeah, it can be very challenging, you know, 95 to 100 degrees every day. This year, in fact, it's been that that way since the end of May. June was very, um, very hot. It's not usually that hot like it has been this year. Um, I, I have several tournaments in June that were that are usually comfortable for my players, and 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 this year was were very uncomfortable, which then you know also translates into the maintenance of our course out here. We've been watering every day. We've been buying wetting agents to try to keep up, and uh, it's been it's been a very challenging uh, 2022. But typically, July and August every year here in in uh, Southeast Texas, it's just it's just hot, and you just uh, you kind of have to put your head down and just grind away at it, and and stay on top of it the best you can. How does the turf handle that heat and humidity, Brian? If you have adequate irrigation, you can you can stay on on top of it. Uh, areas that uh, you know here at my at my course, we deal with a lot of wind. Our our heads are spaced. 65, 70 feet apart, but when that when that uh, post wind kicks up, and uh, you know you're, that head is trying to throw into the wind, it uh, you know it's, it's a challenge. It, it's the turf's not getting enough water. So when we haven't had much rain this year, we've probably only had two or three inches out here at our golf course. We've had to be you know, we're watering every day. We're using wetting agents, and the turf is suffering in areas where. It's it's not getting adequate water. Uh, every time I get a rain and I, I get, you know, that little boost from Mother Nature, it greens right back up. And that's the nice thing about 419 is that it can kind of shut down and almost go dormant on you. You get a rain and it, and it kind of spruces back up and greens back up for you. But uh, we haven't had much rain. We've had to really uh, rely on our irrigation system to, to keep everything alive so far this summer. Before we get back to our conversation with Brian and Scott, another word from our sponsor. BSF knows superintendents can't predict when ferry ring will hit. That's why Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide is made to be sprayed at any time in any temperature. This unique and highly effective dual-action DMI chemistry safely controls tough turf diseases throughout the year. And the added power of Intrinsic brand fungicides gets to the root of the problem, maintaining plant health by strengthening from the ground up. Add Navicon Intrinsic brand fungicide to your rotation and help keep your greens pristine. Visit betterturf.bsf.us to learn more. Now back to our conversation with Brian and Scott. Scott, what are your observations like going around during the toughest time of the year, during a tough year like this? What do you see and what are you, are you looking for when you, 
you visit superintendents and their teams during the toughest stretch of the year? To Brian's point, if you've got good water and good soil, Bermuda, and which most of our turf type here is Bermuda, it's happy. But if you've got not ideal soil conditions or bad water, high salt, high bicarbonates, you can have some real um, situations. I mean, I've seen courses that are just lime green and they're just struggling with poor water, poor, poor soil. Um, they're doing everything they can to get the salts flushed out as best they can. Um, but that's one of the big issues when we're in this really hot, dry period like we are right now. Case in point, from a homeowner's aspect, I looked at last month's bill. My electricity use was up uh, 150%. But get this guy, my water was up six times what it was a year ago. I mean, we just not have not been getting the rains. So everybody's been having to put water to the yard or to the course just to keep things alive. It's been a bad summer this year for us. We're, we're 20 inches below normal right now so far in Waller County. We're under a burn ban in, in the county that our golf course is in. With 100-degree temperatures, which is not typical for yeah. where we are. Yeah, almost every day it's been 100. Scott, how good are people like Brian and the other superintendents and teams you deal with at ma managing water in your region? In general, good. Um, you know, we're not like the Southwest where very restrictive what you can do with water. I mean, in general, the Houston area, water is not an issue mm -hmm. because we tend to get coastal showers. The issue is when we have to rely on the wells and the water that is surface water because it tends to have salts and bicarbonates, high pH, it's more around what can we do to condition the water, what can we do to condition the soil to try and keep those salts from affecting the turf. So it, it, it's a different way of managing water, if you will, uh, when we have to rely on the irrigation so much. Brian, there's also a human side to a, a tough summer in the heat. How, how do you and your team handle it? What are some strategies that you've found have worked over the years with handling the, the personal toll that, that heat and tough weather can take on somebody working on a golf course? Yeah, we try to do like the, the, the big manual tasks in the morning. Mm -hmm. Weed eating bunker faces, weed eating waste bunker faces for us out here, weed eating lake banks. We try to do that, those tasks in the morning. Um, we're constantly going around making sure everyone's hydrated. On the on the maintenance staff, we get five gallon jugs that we make it make up Gatorade for our guys. Uh, try to get them to take their breaks in the shade. We try to uh, once a month. I, I have a 18 hole putting course out here that um, mini birdie turfs. We try to do a, a tournament for our employees so that they can see, you know, play play a, a part of our golf course and appreciate all their hard work. And uh, really see it and play it. So we we have an 18 hole putting course, and we we try to get our guys to, to play that, and we have a lunch for them. But uh, yeah, we you really got to stay hydrated and uh, try to try to find these tasks, the really hard manual tasks. At least for me, we try to do those in the morning and do more of our mowing and stuff in the afternoon to, to help our guys out. Brian, the title of this podcast is Disease Discussion. Uh, what disease pressures do you face? 
in your growing environment at various times of the year? Yeah, the, the, we get fairy ring out here on occasion. We're on a fairy ring program, but we do we still we still see it. We get uh, Cobalaria every once in a while. We get a little bit of Pythium in the in the winter time. Uh, we don't have a lot of traffic in the winter uh, on the course itself, but uh, we do see that on occasion. And uh, and once in a while we see some leaf spots, but uh, for the most part, we're on a preventative program. We've been able to manage that um, pretty well so far. What's your methodology for determining your spray programs, especially for your, your, your summer and early fall sprays? What resources do you use? What thought thought processes do you put into it? And when, when do you start thinking about it? Um, I do my early order with um, my chemical companies in October. I start setting up my program in September and and just kind of review really from October of the, of the previous year through September and um, go through all my notes to see, you know, if there was anything that stood out and then, and then looking at, at the, uh, the program for the next year, if there's any, any little minor changes that, that, that we need to do. Honestly, I, I've been, I've been really happy with the, uh, with the results that we've had. I haven't had to change my program um, too much. I mean, it's, it's pretty much stayed the same the last six or eight years. Uh, a new product will come out, and we'll we'll, we'll try that. But uh, but for the most part, uh, pretty solid on on what what we've been using, and, and have had good success with the programs that we we've, we've used for fungicide on the greens. Are you calendar based with your program, Brian, or do you make adjustments? Like when you get into a weather stretch like you have now, do you adjust when and how you're going to spray? I try to stay on the schedule the best I can. If something would pop up, then we would we would go from a preventative to a more of a curative um, application. But uh, we, we haven't had to do that too much. Uh, uh, the pythium can can uh, pop up on us again in the winter time, and and we're definitely you know in a in a preventative mode at that point. It's interesting that that uh, that we see pythium. At least I, I find it interesting. When I grew up up north, because, you, mean, you see it in the summertime up there, and, and it, you know, it can wipe out a whole fairway if you weren't careful. Where down here, I, I see it um, more in the fall and the wintertime. You know, every day we're out checking for that. And then if need, if need be, we, we would have to adjust our program to, to knock that out. For the most part, though, I, I am on a, a bi-weekly every three week program that that we we stick to and stick to it pretty religiously and scott you're working closely with superintendents and their teams on establishing programs when do you recommend superintendents and their teams start preparing or at least thinking about the following year in in many respects it depends on you know what what's the agronomic situation they're dealing with to brian's point on fungicides in general. The guys have programs that they really like. Um, some of it has BASF in it, uh, other products as well. And year in and year out, those programs pretty much stay pretty well put. You know, it's kind of the old why fix it if it isn't broke. But uh, it's a constant reevaluation. Is things working well? Is it better to look at something different? Do I need to rotate? 
Um, thank goodness we haven't been dealing with much of a resistance issue on diseases here in the South. I think rotating the chemistries has really helped with that. Guys pretty much have their program the way they want it. Also, you know, our real stressful time of the year with the ultra dwarf Bermudas tend to be what we call the shoulder months, which would be the late fall months and the early spring months is when we tend to see more uh, disease issues. And, and that's where we try to put our products first and foremost. And uh, the guys really like to put Lexicon, Navicon into those shoulder months, uh, October, November, and then again, February, March. Brian, how important is the fall golf season in your region? We see a lot of play in in uh, September, October, and November. I have I have several tournaments scheduled for for our employees as well. September, October is typically we have pretty nice weather. Um, October is probably my favorite month um, in Houston. My course, we we do see a lot of play in those months. On my course, only we only do three thousand rounds of golf a year. So July, August, I don't I don't really see hardly any golfers. Uh, March, April, May, June, and September and October, November is kind of when, when we see a lot of our golf um, at our facility. So, do you create and establish your programs to peak during those months? Yeah, I would say we do. We do a lot of agronomic work on the course in July, August. We're pretty much recovered, but but we're still kind of transitioning through that cultural work that we had done in July, and then by September. In October, the course is, is back to 100%. It, it's usually a little a little bit cooler. Uh, the turf really greens up. It probably looks its best September and October, November out here. Scott, how, how rewarding is it to help somebody such as Brian and the other superintendents you work with get through that tough part of the year and get to fall in a good spot? Oh, man, Guy, that's the game. Is with warm season grasses, it's summer when we get to grow grass and get it as healthy as possible and yeah that's the real goal is you don't want to do anything but have the best turf possible going into fall again you know with the tournaments in september october november um you want a great product for the golfers um and you want great turf going into the winter months when Bermuda really isn't growing much. Um, you just It's just hanging on for next spring when it can start greening up again. So, yeah, it, it's very rewarding to help get turf through the summer into what we call championship conditions. Brian, what's the most rewarding part of your job? You've been at this now for quite some time at Sand Hill Farm. What's been rewarding about this process for you? Yeah, my favorite days are the days when I have employees and customers out here enjoying the facility. With with only doing 3,000 rounds a year, and there's usually a couple of days a week that we, we don't have play out here. So my, my favorite days, the most rewarding days, are are having those customer outings and having having the tournaments for my for my uh, for Mustang Cats employees and seeing people out enjoying enjoying the course. I, I also have a special place in my heart for, for the golf course. 
This is a golf course that I helped design when I was in design, stayed on here to build it, and now I maintain it. And so seeing people out here enjoying something that, that I helped create, now I feel fortunate that I get to take care of it. Is, uh, those, are, those are the special days for me. Yeah, you've built the course, designed the course, developed the course, helped maintain the course, helped operate the course. What's the future like for Sandhill Farm? Mustang Cat is the Caterpillar dealership here in, in southeast Texas, and they've owned the course since um, they built it in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, and they've always used it to, uh, to entertain customers and as an employee benefit. And uh, the ownership continues to, to want to make the facility better and better. We've got We've got nine holes of championship golf. We've got an 18-hole real grass putting course. We've got beautiful landscaping on every hole. Uh, we've also got bass fishing, whitetail hunting, and and skeet shooting out here. So it's our it's our way to entertain customers and our employees. And uh, the ownership every year just makes the place better and better. So I think the future is bright for for our our particular property, and uh, it, it makes me feel feel great as, as part of the design team and the construction team to, to see the ownership, you know, put the resources in it to, to make it a great a great golf course. And uh, you know, I'm excited to be to, I've worked out here for 14 years and excited to see what the next 10 to 15 years looks like for for our particular property. I got to ask this question. So we're recording this in August. Football season is fast approaching. What's the course like on Saturday and Sundays in the fall? Well, it's it's hard for me to schedule tournaments for my employees. Uh, we do uh, in September. We do a Ryder Cup format tournament. Um, and uh, in October, we we finish up our. We have a I have a monthly league that um that I set up for employees and that they play in. And it's hard to get guys here. Uh, Football in Texas is people just love love it, and and it's a, you know a big part of their weekend. So as far as, as far as managing the course and trying to get people here, it, it can be a challenge uh, because you know people would rather be rather be doing that. Try to I try to schedule my events around Texas A and M and and UT football games so that I can try to get as many players to participate in my tournaments as I can. But uh, you know that can be a challenge too. As soon as I one team will have a home game and one team will be away and then it'll be the opposite the next week. But uh, uh, we understand that football is a huge passion, but uh, I, I try to schedule my tournaments around it the best, best we can so that we can fill up the course on the weekend. Scott, when you visit superintendents and their teams in the fall, how much are people talking about football when you get to the course? <laughs> a lot. Oh, uh, it's it's definitely part of the conversation is uh, how did the Aggies do, how did the Longhorns do, or whichever school the guys went to, whether it's Mississippi State or Michigan State, North Carolina State, um, football is a big part of the conversation. So, Scott, in your role, you're you're a fan of everybody's team, right? Um, I, I have my opinions, yeah. <laughs> we won't put those out there. How about you, Brian? What are, what are your picks predictions thoughts about the upcoming football season 
I haven't looked at it too much. Uh, the SEC obviously dominates uh, a lot of conversation down this way. Um, uh, with with the A and M moving to the SEC, it uh, we we have a lot of a lot of A and M and UT grads that work for for Mustang Cats. You know, so there's always that kind of that rivalry between uh, between our employees and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't looked at it too much. You know, I'm I'm sure Alabama will be good like they always are, and and Georgia seems like they're they're kind of up to uh, raising their level to to compete with Alabama every year. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of LSU grads in uh, in in the Houston area. Obviously, there's a lot of A and M grads here, so. Every weekend's exciting to watch and see see what's going to happen. And now that UT's moving to the SEC, that'll be uh, that'll just make it more and more uh, more and more of those rivalries will, will start with uh, all, all the great teams in the in the SEC. Just want to say one more thing. Don't forget about the Big Ten though either, because Scott and I we <laughs> we cheer for our Badgers every weekend. I know we're not quite at the level of the SEC, but uh, we're we're getting there. I'm a Big Ten alum too, so we won't get into too much into Big Ten football, I guess. Well, this podcast was a, a lot of fun. Brian and Scott, thanks for joining us. This was a great conversation. Uh, I think we I think we covered everything from turf to disease to football. I guess I didn't get into barbecue. We can do that maybe another day. But, no, thanks for the time, and uh, you know, congrats on what both of you have achieved in your roles. Thanks, Guy. Yeah, thanks, Guy. I appreciate uh, you, you having me on. And uh, if you're ever down this way, let me know. We'd love to have you come out and and play the course.